Yeah. Here we are, Anthony Smith. We're back. We're back. What? Yet again, they keep bringing us back. Who's doing this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Who's letting this happen? We're obviously not trying hard enough. Oh my uh, goodness. You're trying hard enough to get me canceled. Uh, but I it's... <laughs> need to get back on that train. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Freightonomics, uh, the show slash podcast slash whatever you're watching us on <laughs> that combines uh, transportation supply chains with the macroeconomic environment and basically just jumps down all levels of information uh, you know, and hierarchies <laughs> in, the, in the global economy if you will. I don't want to limit us. I'm not trying to pigeonhole no, us. No, we can't because yeah. freight and well, that was one of the things. I was on a, a, a webinar yesterday with a bunch of other economists and we're talking about the supply chain and you. why it's so, me and a few distinguished economists, <laughs> we're talking about the supply chain and subtle flex. Sometimes I forget how many different segments there are to the supply chain and sometimes I forget how many different parts of the economy there are. Like there's a labor economist, there's a supply chain economist, there's a there's so many different types of health economists. There's an right. economist for everything. There's supply chain for everything and bringing it all together under one neat bow. Yeah, so that's a lot to cover. But yeah. if you are watching us on YouTube, uh, please like or subs subscribe because we are back on the YouTube channel. Uh, but also, uh, hopefully you're checking us out on Freight Waves Live, which you can now view via our new and Shiny app. Yeah, uh, it is pretty shiny. Nick Torres did a lot of work uh, to revamp this thing. Looks really good in there. So if you do have the app or don't have the app, download it. Yeah, do yourself a favor. I think there's a lot of um, chatter and communication. Is like a, a little networking feature that you can get a part of. Yeah. So you can really kind of expand within the freight community. Speaking of chatting and networking, are you watching yeah. those? So if you see me looking down, I'm not being rude. I'm only a little bit rude, but <laughs> I am looking at LinkedIn because I'm going to be watching. If you want to jump in, if you happen to be watching live, if it's 12-ish Eastern, noon-ish your time, and we are casting here live, so if you want to jump in on the conversation, feel free. Let a comment fly. Got a question for Zach? Yeah. Want to get him canceled? Let's do this. <laughs> Let's do this. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we got a big uh, topic to discuss today. Probably the single most asked question that I've had over the last week. I decided just to throw it into uh, our show, be very efficient in my approach here, and hopefully I can just point people back to this episode that says, what is gas, diesel, oil, what is that doing to supply chains? What is that doing to the prices of things? It's inflating them. Thanks for watching, people. <laughs> um, anyway, it's it's going up, and it's you know just how much impact is it having on trucking and the various commodities that trucking services, as well as the global supply chain, because there's commodities that are now not as prevalent as they once were prior to the Ukrainian uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, so we're going to dive right into that and. I want to go ahead and just kick right off with the newsonomics because we've got a few things that I want to uh, touch on first. A few quick hitters because there's other things going on than rising gas prices and a, and a potential, you know, escalating conflict in Europe. Uh, but <laughs> the, uh, you know, a few stories here to touch on here. Prologis uh, basically talking about office space. Uh, not being converted into new warehouses. Uh, obviously, we've still got a whole load of imports coming into the United States. Shippers have overordered uh, by you know a nominal percentage of uh, freight because scarcity does that. Uh, when you don't have available capacity and or commodities, you want to have more for the future, and that's what we're seeing right now. A lot of the import demand is simply 
uh, shippers trying to prepare for any unexpected situations as have become the norm yeah. uh, uh, over the last 18 months. So Todd Maiden writes this article. Please check it out if you want the further details. But essentially, the point of this article is stating they're not going to turn office spaces into new warehouses. It costs too much. Uh, you have tax burdens, you have zoning laws and all sorts of stuff. I found this extremely fascinating and informative, uh, especially considering the fact that 70% of all new warehouse spaces are already leased. So building on existing infrastructure, not necessarily a thing. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's a big part. When we talk about zoning, mm -hmm. um, that's going to be a hampering for a lot of activity. Not just we're talking about right now for warehousing and, mm -hmm. and logistics, but also for residential homes as well, because we're going to be looking into 2022. Of course, housing is at a premium, and that feeds into the supply chain as well. But mm -hmm. multifamily homes are also another area I think it's going to be a little bit more momentum for in the upcoming year. Um, and that's going to be facing a lot of zoning regulations as well, because sometimes there's some zones, zoning regulations like, hey, can have a structure this many floors or this many units, right. this close to this division. So that's also going to be a, a potential headwind. But when you look at this, it's going to be one of those things where, yeah, you want the safety regulations in place because you don't want an accident, you don't want an incident. But also you're, you, sometimes you get kind of curious as to, what's just an inconvenient law or process mm -hmm. versus what's actual functional. This is out of my realm of expertise. <laughs> I am not an engineer or any kind of uh, industrial uh, engineering thing like that, but that is definitely an interesting uh, tidbit there from yeah, that report. Yeah, the, the stat that kind of hit me across the face was uh, logistics property vacancies hit an all-time low of 3.4% in the fourth quarter last year, uh, while vacant offices surged to 16.6%. So obviously trying to be a, you know somewhat efficient with the yeah. use of our uh, buildings, but again, <sighs> warehouses for logistics, not necessarily something people who live in these areas want mm. <laughs> and I understand why <laughs> I mean I, I personally would not want them either uh, Old Dominion talked about you know having trouble with their zoning situation I'm normally like not into government trying to get involved but zoning is an extremely important thing uh, I think anybody that owns a house especially all these people that have now purchased houses <laughs> over the last year uh, congratulations <laughs> on your purchases uh, probably don't want a big pile of diesel trucks running in and out of their neighborhoods. So, Zach, I don't own a house. I, I, I'm, a rent, I'm a renter. Mm -hmm. But if you showed me how fast I can get some Amazon packages, I might come around. You're in if, that city life. If, we don't need to talk about this right now. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's definitely uh, an interesting uh, detail of how we're not, we don't have as much available, you know, infrastructure there. Mm -hmm. That, uh, that if you're leaning on that. The next one that I wanna cover real quickly here, uh, yellow February tonnage drops, uh, sours streak of positive LTL updates. Basically the big takeaway here, LTL, the only uh, LTL company publicly traded that reported thus far uh, a negative um, tonnage growth situation. And it was tremendously yeah. negative uh, compared to the other ones. And I'm gonna break down how this isn't as bad as it may seem. <laughs> Uh, I think the initial reaction is, oh, here we go again with yellow. Uh, mm. You know, not necessarily a uh, yellow roadway used to be the dominant LTL provider in the late 90s. Uh, it wasn't yellow at the time. It was roadway. Uh, Michael Vincent used to work there, the dude, um, back then. And it seems to have fallen from grace over the last two decades. But this one here, so, you know, tonnage uh, year over year dropped 27% in February. Um, 
That's compared to a 19% growth for SIA, 18% growth for Old Dominion, and a 4% growth for ArcVest. Now again, this is LTL. <laughs> yeah. Tonnage is not the best measure of your uh, you know, capacity, productivity, profitability, et cetera. It simply is a number uh, that describes you know, how much weight you're carrying on your trucks. <laughs> That's it. It can, you know, lend itself to improving conditions, et cetera, but it's not always the case. So There's, if you're hauling generally lighter commodities. So uh, Yellow, Yellow <laughs> talks about how they are going through restructuring, significant mm -hmm. restructuring, and if you look at their revenue per hundredweight, which is yeah. kind of their unit of pricing measure that they use, uh, it's actually way up. Uh, especially in comparison to the others. So their revenue per hundredweight, 33.8% up year over year, uh, compared to 16.8% of the industry standard Old Dominion. <laughs> so what that tells me is they are definitely giving rate increases. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they have fired a lot of customers, potentially unprofitable ones, because the one thing missing from this article is how profitable are they? Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. that OR? Uh, you know, you can, in, you can lower your, your weight haulage, your tonnage, and make more money. Yeah. So it's, you know, they did cite that weather delays and COVID was, was an issue, and we'll have to wait and see for those quarterly results. I'm anticipating they probably weren't as profitable as, you know, they, they might could have been, but transitional periods are like this. Mm -hmm. Yellow has been transitioning for a while now, but it is, it is still, uh, I don't think you can take this at straight up face value. Yeah, and I think you, you hit on a really great point, getting rid of certain customers, mm -hmm. because that's the thing that happens from time to time when you see these booms in the supply chain. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, what's profitable? What's not? What's inconvenient? What's taking up too many resources? And it's just not worth the pain or the trouble right now. And I think when you kind of go through that process, for sure, that could also be another area where, hey, this could kind of show up in a tonnage as well. Yeah, uh, for sure. So. That being said, we'll wait for those quarterly results. I'm sure they'll be sparkling. Uh, but the, uh, you know, the real story of the week slash, you know, times the oil situation, uh, gas prices surging for both consumers and, of course, diesel um, uh, fuels. And there's a few articles here that I wanted to touch on before we kind of broke down some of the economics of the situation. Uh, key State Department official defends Biden administration's role in oil production. And the big takeaway here is that, that you know, they're, they're throwing out numbers of how we're actually, you know, we haven't declined in oil production over the last bit. It's actually increased since he's been sworn in. There's some politics here that I don't really care about, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Uh, and the point being here is that we haven't done anything that has artificially inflated the price of gas or fuel. So oil production, we don't have a shortage right now. It's simply speculation that is driving costs higher at the moment. Uh, but it does have, that speculation now has an economic consequence mm -hmm. because that's what a lot of carriers buy on the wholesale price of diesel. And of course the fuel suppliers also purchase it. So when those speculators drive the price higher, you buy it higher. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it works. And, uh, you know, the big thing he cited here, uh, you know, 90% of the production in the U.S. is on private land. Did not know that. Um, and the federal government has no control over it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says they expect 900,000 barrels per day increase over the next two years. Um, and, you know, 
that doesn't necessarily replace the three to four million barrels per day of Russian petroleum uh, that have been lost due to this. But at the same time, he also says there's not necessarily a shortage right now. So we got time. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of this is driven by speculation. And, and, and this is going to be one of those areas where I think we are talking about last week where mm -hmm. potentially bringing in other partners as well. I know mm -hmm. Venezuela's names popped up a little bit, Iran maybe somewhat. Um, looking at other producers that, mm -hmm. hey, you were on the no-go list, but you're, you're, you're falling below the Russia yeah. tier. So maybe there's some operations that we can kind of look to really get ramped up here. But so that's going to be another option mm -hmm. as well. Zach, with all the speculation that's right. really happening right now, that's driving up prices, do you see this really kind of pushing forward alternative fuel at all? I mean, it has to. The, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has to. The last time we had situations like this and, you know, the, the recession, uh, and then in 2015, uh, the price of oil was over $100 a barrel, barrel that last time. You saw people selling off their SUVs, going mm. to electric. Now, we've all kind of reversed track yeah, yeah. on that over the last uh, several years because we in America like our big cars, but things have been, things will get driven forward here. But, uh, you know, that the, electron, uh, the electric vehicle situation doesn't necessarily remove the need for oil because <laughs> it's required to produce electricity in a lot of situations. So it, there's still potential there that it's not necessarily a, a total uh, wipeout here, like where we're washing out. But it is a thing. Uh, if we have the price of diesel uh, chart available, I want to throw this up just to show, put it in context here. So we've got the uh, ULSD, uh, the rack rate in blue. Uh, you see that huge spike there with a little bit of a come down. Uh, that's a decent sign <laughs> uh, week over week this week. If you can see on the far right of that, you can see that the price of crude oil or diesel on the rack has spiked significantly, probably the most significantly, shorter period of time. And then you see the retail price in green. That is what a lot of carriers base their fuel uh, surcharges, contract rates on. This gets passed along in the spot market too, just a little bit more slowly, uh, mm. so to speak, because sometimes the fuel desk doesn't communicate <laughs> these costs uh, just as quickly as possible. But it will show up in the spot market eventually. And obviously, this is a huge uh, cost to carriers, uh, roughly 15 to 25% of the rate on estimates. Uh, that, of course, is becoming much higher percentage as we enter this period of kind of these spot markets, uh, spot market rates kind of coming down. And so, Zach, this is going to be one of those areas we were talking about earlier on freight, and, uh, freight waves now, um, what this might mean for some of those smaller operations, mm -hmm. some of those smaller fleets versus what it might mean to those enterprise yeah. larger players. Yeah, it, that, that's a big consequence of this because those smaller players have to pay that green line while the larger players play on the blue line. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the speed at which this thing moves has a huge impact to uh, carriers uh, that we're going to talk about here in just a minute. But first up, uh, let's go ahead and talk about Craig Fuller's article uh, real fast because this is a perfect little segue into the, the meat of the discussion today. So uh, Craig wrote this. Our founder, CEO, uh, Craig Fuller, wrote, War, what is it good for? American freight demand. Uh, and he's not trying to be, you know, insensitive to, you know, war and its interpersonal consequences, which are terrible. And he clearly states that in, in the article, how he's saying he's not condoning this. But the point of this is disasters drive freight volume. Yeah. Uh, as bad as they are, 
you know, and as grim as it sounds, uh, these moments, I mean, COVID, there's no, there's no arguing. COVID increased freight demand in the United States. It was the single biggest disaster of our time. Um, and then we had, we've had hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Every time a hurricane hits, and he points that out clearly. And uh, the points that he makes kind of further down in the article, too, about how, you know, there's going to be shortages of, of wheat now and grains, and we're going to see these net booms in our grain exports now because yeah. Ukraine can't produce it anymore. I, I mean, it's, it's really baffling as to what Russia's doing, let's be honest, uh, because the net impact to them is so grim <laughs> uh, in the short and long run to its e- economy yeah. uh, over a couple of parcels of land that now are unusable. <laughs> um, and they're going to have a net negative impact on their own internal kind of situation. <laughs> Politically, we're not going to get into that. I think it's obvious. But defense spending now is on the rise. Germany has, you know, historically not spent a lot on defense. Now they are. We're going to up our defense spending. Uh, and that's going to create a net boom. And then the obvious one, oil production. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, he has a neat little stat in here that we actually came up with, uh, said basically one rig generates over a million uh, truckload miles uh, per year. That's an interesting stat right yeah. there. And I mean, Craig hits it right on the head here when we're talking about what happens during times of war. I mean, you can look at the past, what's happened with industrial production, mm-hmm. especially during war times, looking at some of the world wars. When you look at the defense spending that really ramps up, when you look at the manufacturing activity that really ramps up, that's going to be a really a big driver for that transportation market. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at more parts being hauled. Lockheed Martin, I think, was yep. mentioned in one of, the, one of the articles. Um, when you look at this defense spending increase, it's going to be a bump for, unfortunately, not just, uh, well, depending on which side you're on, of course, uh, the supply chain and freight, but also for um, overall economic growth. Yeah. Because now... There's this defense spending. You need mm-hmm. more jobs. You need more roles. And then this has to fill into some other sectors that's going to need more hiring, need yep. more training. And so really... Jobs report today. Jobs I mean, report, still, yeah. Still going strong because we're still dealing with all this transitional activity and action uh, from the environment. So this is just one more thing. And again, as terrible as it is, yeah. it does create more activity uh, on, the, on the trucks out there. It does. So let's... Uh, talk about this next chart that I want to bring up, the effect of gas prices on trucking costs, because that's, uh, you know, obviously a big one. Um, when we have, uh, let's see, this chart of, it should be the uh, the spot rates and the contract rates, and then the DOE here, it's not necessarily that chart that I'm looking at there. Guys, not that one, but that one will, there we go, there's the one that I want. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, there it is, uh, it had more colors on it, that's what I would should have said. So we have our spot rate. Uh, average van spot rate according to truckstop.com in orange. We have our average van contract rate in blue, which you can see is much smoother uh, as it should be because those are long-term negotiations. We talked about this on Freightways Now this morning. And then we have the DOE sitting there waiting. Yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind that blue line does not have fuel surcharge in it. That orange line includes fuel. So in all uh, the other accessorials. The point is, is that little jump in that green line, because the orange line is a is on a, it's last week, that weekly jump in DOE didn't happen until Monday. It didn't get reported till this Monday, so we have not yet seen that big spike in spot rates just yet. So this is going to be one of those indicators that, like you said, we haven't seen it just yet. And and Zach, one of the things that you also mentioned, mm-hmm. um, I think 
probably two years ago at this mm -hmm. point, is typically when we see these jumps up, mm -hmm. we usually see this rapid fall down. Yeah. Now, one of the things here that I'm looking at this spike up is how long is this upward movement going to persist? Because if it stays here long enough, oh, yeah. that's when we start to really kind of get into the weeds here. But if it's just a spike up, mm -hmm. okay, and then if it comes back down, not, okay, a little momentary a blip. Yeah. yeah, and it did start to come down a little bit on the rack price, which you saw earlier. Let's bring up another chart. I want to show the fuel price estimation. This is an Excel spreadsheet chart. It's kind of my way of... Uh, you know, estimating what fuel costs are. Now, this is not a total, this is not precise. This is just my old uh, experience kind of shining through here. The, uh, that orange line there is the base rate, excluding fuel from the truckstop.com van rate per mile. So that's what, if you excluded fuel, if they were on a fuel surcharge, that's what the rate would look like. That's what the line would look like. The orange line is the one that has all the, everything in it. So you're seeing there's a bigger gap yeah. between that than there was way, uh, back in 2020. And that's because the percentage influence on fuel is growing in relation to this chart. And once we hit a certain threshold, so basically this is just an underlying inflationary pressure that mm. you cannot see just yet in the spot market. But it's going to show up, like you said, this is, if this is just a spike, so be it. And that spike is not in this chart yet because <laughs> it's this week's fuel right. for last week's uh, spot rates um, and the DOE line there in, in blue, uh, but that van contract rate there also going up. Inflationary pressure also keeping things elevated. So the last chart that I want to show you, this tree map of spot rates uh, where we can sort of see this happening, top 100 lanes mm -hmm. in van. We talked about this on Freight Waves Now the other day. You see the greens in the bottom right corner? Yeah. Those are those kind of backhaul lanes that are closer to costs. The fact that we're seeing the low end rates increase week over week is an indication of inflationary pressure because the market itself, you can see, is in decline on the market pricing side. Anybody that prices freight knows you have costs. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have, what is the market willing to pay for my truck? Right. Sometimes. The market wants to pay lower than your costs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? We've been in an environment where the market has, for about 13, 14 months, wanted to pay more than costs by a large margin. And we're seeing that come down week over week, the last three to four weeks. So underlying all these spot rates, don't expect them to come down that quickly <laughs> is, is the point of this. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's a great point is just because there is that upward pressure really kind of, or upward momentum really kind of building up there. And then mm -hmm. I think that really leads into some of the conditions that we're going to see for the yeah. freight environment and so what we're going to see with the prices. And Zach's so transitioning into conditions and things yeah. like that. Got to talk to some of these consumer conditions because you're a consumer, I'm a consumer. <laughs> we're all consumers. Well, according to your confidence, I'm, consume, I, I'm, I'm going to consume less. You're going to consume less <laughs> according to certain confidence scores. <laughs> but when we're looking at initial jobs claims, we did see that there was a slight tick up, but it's a weekly indicator. So the slight bump up, if it's in the 220s, that's just a-okay. Um, right. Also a slight bump up in the continuing claims as well um, on those continued jobless claims. But we did see that the quit rate edged down ever so slightly. Uh -oh. And I think we have the chart up here. Yeah, so you can see the ongoing trend is a downward movement. And that downward movement, that trend is really what we want to keep our eye on because you can have a spike up one week and then it drops the next week and the headlines are going crazy, right. they're going nuts. But if you see the overall trend is going down and it's remaining relatively low and somewhat stable, that's what we want to see. Continuing claims, those ap applying for 
jobs claims week after week, that's also re uh, remaining pretty low and steady as well. Yeah, and I, I think to tie it together a little bit, we talked about a lot of the net boom mm -hmm. from this, uh, that industrial production. So it, it's kind of this, this cycle of it fuels itself. So the yeah. consumer demand, if it weakens, like you're talking about, like it, it may, uh, then that's going to have kind of an upstream impact on what industrial production yeah. wants to do. But right now, we have all this like kind of macro pressure on industrial production from the oil boom, price of fuel, et cetera. So it's, it's hard to tell exactly where the chink in that cycle will be. Like mm -hmm. hiring more people, they're gonna have more money to spend on goods, you know, then all of a sudden they stop spending money on yeah. goods, you stop hiring people, and they stop producing. It's a so vicious it's, cycle. It's just this weird <laughs> cycle. But if people are getting hired and they're still working on producing oil and all the derivatives thereof, that there's a lot of them, and producing that grain, then we're gonna stay in this kind of growth situation, correct? That's correct, and, and the, the thing that we also have to look at, I think we might have a chart in the closing seconds here, CPI, the Consumer Price Index oh, also came out this morning, and it's showing, there we have it right there, mm -hmm. I mean, it's continuing to expand, yeah. and so consumers are paying more, but at least we have those jobs and the options to kind of get into. If you can job hop, you jump your, <laughs> you know, yeah. you increase, and there's less efficiency in the jobs, <laughs> so you have to hire more people. Yeah. But you increase your wages and, oh, oh man. It just keeps going. It what keeps going. Mess. It keeps what going. But this has been Freightonomics. Thank you so yeah. much for watching. Go to tv.freightonomics.com if you want to get a part of the full experience. Oh, man. Can we just <laughs> yeah. do a, a beat drop for me Our for that drop. announcement? Yeah, we need a little Yo, I feel it in the production room. <laughs> Let's go. But appreciate you. We'll see you next week, next Thursday.